going to be wrapping up this segment of the in healing section of our year-long discipleship teaching that we've been doing and then we've got a couple of the youngsters coming in just to pull out on some specifics as we end off our year's program what I want to do with you is just have a discussion regarding just wrapping up just a couple of points I want to just share with you regarding wrapping up this very very important aspect of ministry regarding the inner healing and the healing of the person's spirit I'm doing this as a podcast as um, I, I shared at a different uh, at a different level as appropriate to Lifehouse Church itself as I was preparing them with regards to what they're going to be going into and training them within this ministry itself. So what I want to do with you here is just share with you some wrap-up concepts and thoughts and teachings. Now, we all realize that we're all damaged. We're all sinners and we all have damage to our spirit to one degree or another. I mean, if you just look at the abuse stats in the USA, it's one in three girls, one in five boys are sexually abused. And in Australia, one in four girls and one in six boys. I think that's just the tip of the iceberg with regards to what we're looking at there. And all of these things contribute to damaging the human spirit. So in conclusion... I just want to briefly talk to you about the healing journey and go into um, some just a little bit of a discussion with regards to Luke chapter 15 and then we'll end off with just a complete wrapping up things to look for when you begin ministering to someone or if you're needing to be ministered to a couple of areas that you need to be tackling. Getting rid of fallen angels or demons in a person's life does not get rid of the programming and it does not get rid of the behavior and it does not get rid of the control. You have to transform the person. You have to change the person's behavior. Discipleship needs to take place. Right? Just by getting rid of the demonic forces within a person or influencing a person does not get rid of behavior. It does not get rid of the person's ability to lie or do bad things or operate within the flesh. It does not get rid of sin. Now, this is important for you to understand. If the programmings, the worldview, the, 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 the satanic worldview, the Babylonian worldview, if the controls are not removed in the inner healing process and are not touched on the behavior patterns are not transformed the lies are not dealt with and called for what they are the sin not brought to the surface identified for what it is and repented of the fallen angels then have the right of return Let me just repeat myself because this is so important. And I see so many Christians 
doing wonderful work in terms of ministry, driving out demons or helping people, but then not following through with the transformation process. And, 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 and so these people that they're ministering to just go down again. They just get taken over again by the enemy. So let me just repeat myself. Getting rid of the demonic forces does not get rid of the programming. It does not get rid of the control. It does not get rid of the bad behavior. It does not get rid of the lies. It does not get rid of the sin. If the programming is not removed, if the behavior is not transformed, if bad habits are not replaced by good habits, if lies are not replaced by truth, and if sin is not correctly repented of, the demonic forces of darkness have the right of return and they will come back. Matthew chapter 12, 43 to 45, Amplified Version. Now, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, it roams through waterless, dry, arid places in search of rest, but it does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it arrives, it finds the place unoccupied, swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and make their home there. And the last condition of that man becomes worse than the first. So will it also be with this wicked generation. This is extremely important for you to remember and understand. Before this can happen, you need to separate the demonic from the humanity with the sword of the spirit. To stop the control, to stop the programming, every aspect of the person's wounded spirit needs to be dealt with, needs to be brought healing to, restoration to, reassociated together, and, 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 and just saturated with the balm of Gilead, the healing processes of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then from that point onwards, a reprogramming, a, a, a learning of a new worldview, the biblical worldview, a learning of new habits, biblical habit patterns needs to start taking place within that person's life. And this takes time. And this is the, 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 the discipleship process, helping that person, mentoring that person through all of these things to, to, to start learning how to live new a new life to start learning how to reprogram themselves to start learning how to operate and make those small little decisions that they need to make every day that constitute spiritual warfare a decision to say no rather than a decision to say yes and so what you've got to do then is work with the person as a mentor to the person and so input into that person's life train that person and stand by and protect that person until that person is able to protect themselves. So that's the first thing I want to just share with you with regards to the healing journey. And that is getting rid of the angels and the fallen, uh, the fallen angels and demons does not get rid of the programming. You know, you need to pay attention to that. The second thing I want to just share with you is the story of the prodigal son. Luke 15, 11 to 31. I'm not going to read all the passages of scripture. Uh, I'm just going to read 
from verse 11 to 21. And then you can go and think about the rest and study the rest. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put on the podcast a, a slide that you can download that um, my friend Dom did for me with regards to the, the steps down towards the pig pen and the steps out of the pig pen. Now, these steps I got from my Thompson's chain reference at the back of my Bible, and I've been using it to help me minister to people effectively. It's I, I use this for myself in terms of understanding how I'm able to effectively minister to a person. So with a lot of discernment, a lot of prayer, knowing the person that comes to me for ministry, I basically try and assess them with regards to the steps where they're at within their journey as prodigals. Now, the first thing I want to just share with you before I read these couple of verses of scripture is this. In ministry, you need to learn the difference between a prodigal sheep and a lost sheep. I've seen so many Christians over the years in ministry confuse the two and spend excessive amounts of time running around trying to rescue a prodigal sheep that has not reached starvation level and realization level. And so they, 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 they're going in there and they're prematurely helping this person and it is a continual cycling downwards, a vortex going down, just repeat, help, fall, repeat, help, fall, repeat cycle. And they, 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 they beat themselves up if they step out of the way and let this person crash and burn to being in the pig field eating pig food to get to that point. Because they mistake prodigal, lost. Lost sheep is someone that is out there in the world unsaved and that is the person that you need to leave the sheep, leave the disciples for and go and find. The prodigal is when someone has already accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. This is my personal view. They've already accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. They are part of the family. They're part of the kingdom and they choose willingly to go into sin and walk away. They choose to walk away. Now, if you try an intervention prior to that last step, you're going to have a vortex of fall, try to help, repeat, fall, try to help, repeat until they reach that point. Verse 11, NRV. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country, Babylon. And there squandered his wealth in wild, wild living. After he had spent everything there was, a severe famine in that whole, uh, after he had spent everything there was, and squandered his wealth in wild, uh, sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm mistaking here my lines. Verse 14, after he had spent everything, 
there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now verse 17. This is the point of where you can basically begin to enter in and begin ministering with a prodigal. Verse 17. When he came to his senses. Okay. I'm going to skip from verse 17 because then you can go and see the mentality that the son had when he came to his senses. All right. And you need to be very, very tuned in with the Holy Spirit using discernment because if someone has gone into sin, you've got to remember that you will also be dealing with self-deception and deception of that Christian. And many times they'll come to you and say, no, I've reached my, you know, just help me. Yeah, I've, I've come to my senses and they haven't. So verse 17, when he came to his senses, verse 21, a massive indicator that he has actually reached and come to his senses is when he returns. And this would be his attitude. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned. So the steps downward would be self-will, selfishness, separation, spiritual destruction, self-abasement, and then starvation. Because the sin that this person will then begin to commit will then start to have a massive effect within that person spiritually, within that person physically, emotionally, in their soul, within that person's relationships, and within that person's environment. The point that I believe that you can step in will be the point when they come to realization, verse 17, when he came to his senses. Now remember, come to his senses and repentance. Turn away. He left the pig field. He left the city. He went back to his father. That's when the work begins. Realization, resolution, repentance, return, reclothing, reconciliation, and rejoicing. So pay very, very close attention to understanding that. All right, now let's begin putting this together. Where do we start? If the person is a lost sheep, you start with salvation and you make sure that the person is truly born again. If the person is a prodigal sheep or if a person is in another church organization and they've come to you for ministry because they're not getting adequate ministry in that organization, check up on their actual salvation because a lot of these churches put people through a process but I personally do not believe that that process gets that person saved. You can uh, go through the um, Deception in the Church series that I have already and, and, and there I talk about, talk about it somewhere in there. There's a lot of teaching on deception 
in the church. So the first thing you do with regards to your prodigal son is if you personally know the person, obviously then there's the rededication process that you will go through and the Lordship prayer. But if it's a person who's saved and you don't know them, I would strongly suggest that you make sure what their salvation is. And I'm going to talk again about that in a few minutes. I'm just giving you a, 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 a brief introduction in what we're looking at regarding putting it together. Now, where do we start? We start at salvation. Where are we leading them to? We are leading them to become like Jesus. Okay? To live like Jesus. To minister like Jesus. To talk like Jesus. To smell like Jesus. And we are leading them into an abundance lifestyle. A John 10.10 10 abundance lifestyle with a biblical understanding of abundance. And we've spoken about this. We've, we've shared this with you um, previously in this process, this year-long process of discipleship. Now, the example that I'm going to give you right now is an example that I got from uh, Otto and Sharon Bixler. And they came and ministered uh, a six-day school uh, ministry in, in, in our local church a couple of years ago. Uh, really lovely people, love them, and phenomenal ministry. And at the end of their ministry, and I'm I'm using their, their, their this example from them, and I do have their permission to use this the training that they've given us. Uh, at the end, they they talk about the Mount Everest, putting pulling it all together, and 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 the example they use is climbing Mount Everest. Uh, Psalm 1833 Amplified Version. He makes my feet like hinds feet, able to stand firmly and tread safely on paths of testing and trouble. He sets me securely upon my high places. So what we've got to imagine, there are many different illustrations that we can use to imagine. But what we've got to imagine is for us, we, we're taking a person out of the valley of the unsaved, out of the valley of sin where Sodom and Gomorrah is, where the prodigal son is in the city with all the pigs. And we are now taking them up onto the mountain of the Lord. Now, as we begin to take them up onto the mountain of the Lord, there are various stops that we need to make. Places that we can stop, consolidate and rest and then go up to the next level. Some of the, some of the uh, stops we make will be easy quickly accomplished because it's not us doing the work and some of the stops that we make and some of the journey that we make will be very very difficult and hard and arduous where you will have to actually mentor the person step by step through a process um, that they would need to go through so let's look at the five stations or camps that we would need to reach the first camp is the salvation camp as mentioned earlier to you, if the person is a prodigal, then you would need, if you don't know them, remember a prodigal is someone that has been in association with a church and has, through self-deception, gone into deliberate sin, taken the abundant life of Christ and spent it in Babylon. So you need to re-establish their salvation or to establish if they've been saved based on the type of church that they've come to. Or if you know them, 
and they've walked away from you or from your fellowship or ministry or team or small group or family, through the self-deception, through sin, then you need to take them through a rededication process. Um, let them do the talking when you're asking them about this. Let them do the talking. Ask them, you know, and, 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 and they will talk to you about their salvation process. And from that, you'll be able to gauge what you need to do, whether you need to basically lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ or lead them in a rededication prayer. For me, this is essential. This is absolutely essential when, when I minister because I don't know whether you've, if you've listened to much of my teaching, but at LifeHouse, I've given them this illustration when I was a young pastor and, and, and an assistant pastor way back in time in South Africa, in Durban. My wife was teaching and one of the teachers was a homosexual and he had contracted AIDS and he was now in hospital dying of an AIDS-related illness. And they asked me to go in and pray for him and I went into the hospital and he was full of tubes and I prayed for him but I made this, I asked him this question, I said, have you have you made made it right? Have you made right your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? And he nodded his head and said yes. And then I just prayed for him because he could. There was hardly any communication that I could do because the pups were coming in and out of his throat and stuff like that. Prayed for him and 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 just and that was it. As I matured in the things of the Lord, I've always gone back to that incident. And 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 and. I just don't know whether he was saved based on two things. One, based on the church background. He came from a Reformed church background. And nothing against the Reformed church, but lately, you know, you've got to look at how they've led people to salvation. And I'm, I'm talking about not only them, I'm talking about, I would talk about quite a few of them. So I, that was the, one of my issues. And the other issue is the lifestyle. You know, that complete deviant lifestyle, the sexually deviant lifestyle that he went into. And so I will have to await that day when I face the Lord Jesus Christ in my judgment to see what actually should have been done with regards to this, this, this young man. And so this is my cautionary tale to you. I will stand in judgment for that action you need to pay attention to this and 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 you need to you need to ask the holy spirit for courage when you go into these situations and have the courage to basically ask the person and and and, and say look i'm going to i'm going to need to confirm that you are saved at this point because of the lifestyle you've led and because of the church you've been in you know it just doesn't add up and so have the courage to go in and establish this because this is the entrance to the mountain of the Lord. I know in a lot of churches they're saying all paths lead to, to, to the Lord, but no, it doesn't. Only through Jesus Christ, only through salvation, through the Lord Jesus Christ, 
can you get onto the mountain of the Lord? Every other mountain is not the mountain of the Lord. And no other and all other paths will not lead to the Lord Jesus Christ. So make sure of that. Number one, salvation. The second thing you need to establish prior to going in and dealing with the three specific general generalized areas of ministry is you need to now establish the lordship of Christ in this person's life. And you can get the Lordship of Life prayer. I'm going to attach a Lordship of Life prayer to the to the slide. I got this prayer from one of my lecturers when I went down to the LL School of Ministry in Sydney a couple of years ago. And her name is Julie. And she compiled this Lordship prayer. And basically praying the Lordship prayer is a dedication of every aspect of your life, body, soul, spirit, you name it, everything comes under the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord not only needs to be our Savior, He needs to be our Lord. And I've often found that many, many people that I counsel and minister who are in the church have accepted the Lord as Savior, but not as Lord. They've not made him Lord. And this leads to complications in terms of scaling this mountain to be in the presence of the Lord because they'll often find themselves camped out at the salvation camping area or they'll be camping out or wandering around in other areas or they'll be trying to wander back down to the valley where Babylon sits. You've got to make sure that they pray the Lordship prayer and dedicate their lives to the Lord and accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of their lives in every aspect of their lives and hand over every aspect of their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ because this now gives you the legal basis to dismantle the strongholds, the thrones and to, to throw out the demonic presence. From there, we now go in and we start dealing with the first aspect, soul ties. So what we're dealing with here are social groups, people groups, people, you know, where, they, where, they, where their sins are in those areas. Um, we're dealing with relationships. A lot of relationships are, are going to be, you, you'll need to discuss with these people. Because there are going to be a lot of relationships that these people are going to have to have the courage to sever. Even some Christian relationships that are toxic. Because I've found in my years in ministry that there, in Psalm 1, many, many Christians comfortably sit in the seat of mockers and walk in the way of sinners. And so there needs to be a, a, a real going through of all this person, all these this person's relationships and the transference of spirits that take place within these relationships. And a, 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 you need to train this person on how to handle relationships and keep only a positive transfer, a godly transfer coming through. And also in terms of how they're going to have to go in and cut toxic relationships. You'll find this especially if you are dealing with people that have been subject to a, a Jezebel controller. 
and 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 you'll find that that is going to be a very difficult relationship to deal with in that person's life and difficult for them to cut because of the abuse that they've received from a Jezebel. The next area that you're going to have to go into would be the generational ties, the generational sins, the family sins, familiar sins. Now, in all these areas, obviously, you're going to be dealing with fruits of the flesh in all these areas that you can read about in Galatians chapter 5. And you'll see the manifestation of the fruits of flesh in each one of these areas. But the generational areas, you're going to be looking back at least four generations. Because remember, there are sins of commission, omission, idolatry, practice, etc., etc., that bring down a four-generational curse on the family. So, for example, if you are dealing with someone that's been heavily involved in the New Age movement, or their parents have been involved in the New Age movement, then you would need to deal with idolatry and all aspects of idolatry and the curses that are attached to what specific area they were associated with in that uh, movement and how that now the curses attached now come down to your generation and to your children if you have children so you need to pay attention to generational uh, sins and then the fifth area that you need to look at will be personal sins this is the hardest one now you go home and uh, read romans chapter 5 this is the this is the one that we continually deal with this is the sanctification process ongoing transformation ongoing renewing of our mind ongoing disciplining of ourselves ongoing it's when we deal with our personal flesh and uh, so you read romans chapter 5 you can read galatians chapter 5 and 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 this is where the mentoring process needs to come into play and this is where this person needs to 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 learn how to find and identify and recruit a new band of brothers or sisters to come around them to basically uh, help them do the things of God rather than the things of the devil. And this is where, you know, you'll be helping them cut ties to people that um, continually lead them into sinful ways. As I said, this wrap-up is pretty short. And so I'm going to conclude with just reading to you Romans chapter 6, verse 12 to 13 out of the Amplified Version. Let not sin therefore rule as king in your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies to make you yield to its cravings and be subject to its lust and evil passions. Do not continue offering or yielding your bodily members and facilities to sin as instruments, tools of wickedness, but offer and yield yourselves to God as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life and your bodily members and faculties to God, presenting them as implements of righteousness. Well, that's it. Just one final thing I want to just share with you. If you are one that is going to be going through this type of ministry or need this type of ministry, I just want to encourage you to have the strength to go through because 
at the end it's going to be better you will be better off it's like it's like having a tooth that needs the dentist's attention unfortunately going to the dentist you're going to need an injection and and i find that the injection even though it numbs your mouth does nothing to take away the dread of the drill and the poking and the prodding and the scraping and then putting in a new filling but once the numbness wears out the pain is gone and you're able to use your teeth better same with a broken bone you know you're going to have that initial pain when it gets reset but once it grows stronger you can have full use John 10 10 Jesus has come to give you abundant life and the devil has come to do everything he can to kill your spirit to steal from your spirit and to entrap your spirit imprison your spirit Jesus has come to set you free and so I want to encourage you if you need prayer ministry to go to a church that knows what they're doing and ask them for prayer and ministry go to a organization for example like ll in your country i know we've got one in sydney here in australia if you're not in sydney phone them see if they've got any affiliates or any associates whom they've trained that are in the, the place that you are staying in and then make an appointment to go there and go through the process of prayer ministry to get healing but always remember that the healing process is just part of the process it should not be an ongoing process you're going through because ultimately you need to be standing up and being strong in the lord you need to become a disciple of the lord jesus christ and we've shared with you what that looks like in this year's series let me pray for you. Father, I just want to present to you anyone here today who's hearing this podcast that is in need of your healing touch, that precious balm of Gilead poured forth from you. Lord, you went to the cross and endured such torment so that we could be set free. And so I pray that you will begin to set this person free, Lord free from from all soul ties that 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 have been attached to them lord that you will just set them free from any bondages through the soul ties that are coming through lord that based on their confession and repentance you will set them free from any generational attachments coming down and lord based on their repentance lord that you'll begin a healing process within their personal lives Lord, that they will become strong instruments, powerfully put together, called forth in your name to do mighty works for you. Lord, if they are unable to reach a place where they can be ministered to by a disciple, a kingdom operative, I pray that you will take them by your Holy Spirit through a healing process and minister them in a powerful way. And Lord, connect them to the remnant raise them up so that they can become truly powerful instruments in your hand for your glory and for the extension of your kingdom 
we ask these mercies in and through the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.